I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Frankie Darcel is an in-demand radio personality, author, producer, and speaker, who's interviewed everyone from President Obama to Aretha Franklin. In 2013, she joined Philadelphia's WDAS-FM Afternoon Drive with the talk of the town. She's also in syndication in 22 markets with Clear Channel's premium choice. Darcel is an author, lecturer, and businesswoman whose accomplishments as an executive producer include Eve Insler's Vagina Monologues. She also produced and directed the off-Broadway play for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. She has recently launched her own stage play that she has written, produced, and directed, Conversations for Sisters Only, that will launch its national tour in 2024. She is a big proponent of the arts, supporting civic groups, and bolstering community engagement. She is our guest today. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I am your host, Ramses Ja. All right, Frankie Darcel, welcome to the show. I've been looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk to you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. First of all, I have got to hire you to follow me around. Every accomplished person needs theme music and a great, <laughs> someone great to introduce them. Thank you so much for that. And I love your radio voice. I am excited to be here with you. Thank you for uh, the invitation. You you are beyond kind. That means more than you know, coming from someone as accomplished uh, as you. Uh, I, I, Thank you. I, I just can't get enough of this. This is awesome. So, um, you know, I know a little bit, but for our listeners, uh, as is typical here on this show, we start our stories at the beginning. So for folks who are just getting acquainted with you, do us a favor. Tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, your upbringing, and what led you to your career path. Wow. First of all, I am so excited to be here and a part of just the expanding Black Information Network mm. and just the great work that you all are doing and what you're doing with the podcast is amazing. Uh, so good to be here. I am a girl from Brooklyn, New York, right? My my dad was a military man. My mother was a social worker. Uh, my mother uh, actually worked on the first campaign of Shirley Chisholm. 
Uh, I remember back in the 1960s and our tenement, uh, as they called them, not ghettos or hoods at, mm-hmm. at that time. And remember standing there when she was announcing she was running for president, uh, the first African-American person and or woman running for president. And I was standing there in that conversation. And I think that is what I got from my mom in terms of my civic uh, engagement and grew up to do some of the things that I'm doing today. But I attended uh, Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland. I am a proud dues alumni paid member uh, of one of the finest HBCUs in America. And I can tell you, when I went to Morgan State University, I went on a partial scholarship to play women's basketball. And I believe that in the world we're in, we need to learn how to just say some things about ourselves. Last last year, I was inducted into the uh, Morgan State University uh, Athletic Hall of Fame for women's basketball. So I love uh, my institution. But when I arrived on the campus of Morgan State University, I was a... um, biology major. I wanted to be a sports therapist um, and couldn't get through the sciences. Left that class, walked into uh, Holmes Hall, which is where the radio station was at the time, glanced in and saw Kwaisium Fume, who is just a Baltimore legend and now serving uh, as congressional member out of Baltimore. And he was on the radio. And I said, I like that. Mm. I'd like to do that. So after my athletic career was over at the university, I started working in Norfolk, Virginia. From Norfolk, Virginia, I went to Raleigh-Durham. From Raleigh-Durham, I went to Charlotte, North Carolina. And from Charlotte, North Carolina, I went to Detroit, Michigan, which is where I believe I came into who I am as a as a talent, uh, as a writer, author, and director, um, and as just a person and, and growing. So lived in, in Detroit for 25 years. Uh, and then the, the company promoted me to Philadelphia. I've been in Philadelphia for the last 10 years with iHeartRadio. And um, it's just been a great ride. Uh, one of the things that I think that I learned at the university uh, and Dr. Kennedy, who was our dean at the time of our department, uh, that we would have a great responsibility as on-air talent. We're talking about the you know early 1980s. Uh, that you have a great responsibility, particularly if you're going to work in black radio, that, yes, you can be a talent, but you also have to be able to impact your community. So probably after 10 of the 30 years that I've been doing radio, I felt that it was necessary not only to play Luther records that I love and meet and talk to people like Aretha Franklin and get to know them personally and people like Kim, but it was also an, an opportunity for me to be able to engage our community, to improve our community as best I could. Um, with the opportunity I had by being on the air. So not only as I have I given back uh, from an entertainment perspective, which is my primary uh, responsibility, but I think being on the radio as well, we have a responsibility to empower and improve our community. Mm-hmm. So as a breast cancer survivor, my mom was a breast cancer survivor. I was glad to be a part of what's called the Sister Strut, which is now, you know, 10 cities uh, around the country to impact African-American women specifically uh, to get their mammograms and, and, and breast examinations. Uh, Frankie's families, which every year during the holidays, I feed families and I work with police departments and different agencies to make sure that people can put food on the table. Um, and then, you know, I enjoy the arts. So that has become you know, um, my my secondary uh, career. So I, I've had a stellar career. I wouldn't change it for the world. And and it just put me in a position to be here with people like you. Well, I I applaud you again. Um, I, I I like to think that in my own journey, I have adopted a similar posture, especially with respect to kind of giving back. You know, I'm based in Phoenix, Arizona. And so um, there's not a lot of black 
people that get to the point where they are able to speak uh, and have an audience uh, as big as a radio audience provides. And, um, you know, it's that what you're what you're describing. And I know that there's a lot more challenges that go into that to actually get certain things up and running and get the support you need to make things. So when I say I applaud you, it's not just blowing smoke at all. I, I, I recognize what it takes to make that work. Um, but I, I, I do want to lean into that a little bit more. So talk of the town is an incredible show, but again, for our listeners who may not have encountered your show, um, coast to coast, what can they expect? Well, you know, so it has been in phases and thank you for saying that and bringing to the forefront the idea of it not being easy. Um, and especially in the communities of color, more specifically for this conversation, black communities, I've covered a lot of topics. I've, I've interviewed three of the last five presidents. That wasn't easy to break that circle, right? Um, and sometimes we have to talk about things and take a position that aren't always popular. Uh, and now with the advent of social media, um, I can only imagine with the Kwame Kilpatrick and those who know Kwame Kilpatrick, who I considered a friend as well as the mayor, uh, was, was pretty much taken down and did federal time. He's since been released. That was a very tenuous time, uh, in the city of Detroit where there's 82%, you know, population of African Americans. So I will tell you when you hear African American, uh, talent on the air, be it, you know, a successful podcaster or radio person or television person, you could only imagine the beat up that we get, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because not everybody agrees with the position that you're taking. But I always try and err on one. I say what I believe and I believe what I say. And I always try and take a posture where I give both sides an opportunity um, to have an opinion about what the issue of the day might be. Uh, and and I don't fear interviewing anybody. And one of the reasons I think that I've been able um, to get the interviews with presidents and, and executives of companies in very tumultuous times is because I'm fair. Um, I'm going to ask the tough questions and I'm going to give you an opportunity to to ask those. What you're talking about in your living room, you know, at the beauty of barbershop, what you're talking to your family about in the evening, that's what I'm talking about on my show. Um, I like people when they listen to my show to be able to feel like they're listening to somebody that they know. Almost every city that I'm in, specifically Philadelphia and Detroit, um, there are people who have said, oh, didn't you go to this high school? Did you?" No, I didn't. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I wasn't born and raised here. But what that said was I had embraced the community where I live. And I will tell you that every community is my community. Yeah. Your Arizona community, never been there. It's hot right now. I'll send oh, you yeah. some ice. But, <laughs> but every community is my community. And where I live, I embrace it. And what I also recognize is that I give a voice to the voiceless. Mm. I want to hold accountable the people who have the accountability of the lives of people who don't have a voice in their hand. And that isn't always easy. Uh, and sometimes it gets frustrating. Sometimes it gets scary. Um, and sometimes I'm worn out, but I'm always in it for the good fight. Uh, I love that. Again, um, that intersection of human interests and artistic integrity, um, that intersection where corporate interests come into play is a very, very, it can be a very challenging thing, particularly when the human interest Mm -hmm. part has to do with black humans, 
because black humans yeah. are often reflected at the intersection of corporate interests. So um, sometimes mm -hmm. being, at least in my experience, sometimes being the only black person in the building and having to speak up for my community, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's a tough battle, but to know that you've persevered and you've thrived and that you, you know, from what it, from what it sounds like your listeners, uh, they, they've been spared a lot of the taxing, you know, uh, turmoil that comes with trying to move a narrative forward because you've been the tip yeah. of that spear. That's, that's something that's beyond commendable. I want to, yeah. I want to shift gears to here. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, please. Mm -hmm. Please, uh, and I and I just want to say, and don't don't think that uh, in the midst, especially of conversations and topics that I've covered on the air, um, one I check, check, fact check, 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 and fact mm -hmm. check. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I've got the resources um, and the relationships I have before I go on the air and I say anything. Um, but don't think that there have been calls made from elected officials or other individuals <laughs> to my management to say she said this or she said that or she said this. Um, and some of them look like me who have attempted to say, you know, we might want to get her fired um, because of what we've talked about. But, you know, I've just worked for I work for an incredible company. I work for incredible management. And they know when I go on the air and I talk about something uh, that I, I've got all of my eyes dotted and my T's crossed. crossed. So I'll just perfect, say that perfect. there's there's something special about standing with the people too. you know, um, where when you do come under attacks by other powerful mm -hmm. figures mm -hmm. uh when you're when you're on the side of the people um typically worst case scenario you have a soft place to land so um absolutely I, I, I think that that's that's a very special um thing that you that you've done and that you are still doing and speaking of what you're still doing um i want to shift gears just a little bit because you talked a bit about the talk of the town i want you to share with our listeners a little bit about uh your podcast frankie darcel has a big mouth yeah, you know, so, um, you know, and I want to thank the Black Information Network as well because, um, they are in the network with Real Times Media and mm -hmm. iHeart Media as well. Um, and we talk about all of the, you know, topics that are important to the community. I have really taken my radio show and put it, you know, in a podcast form. Um, and we get to be a little bit extra because I can say the things on, you know, my podcast that I can't say uh, on the radio. Sure. Um, and it's doing extremely well uh, talking about, again, those topics that are, are important to the community um, and in a way that people can relate. And two, when they walk away from the podcast, we want to leave them with a solution. We want to give them the opportunity to be able to say, huh, great idea. How can I now implement this in my own life, in my own neighborhood, in my own block? So we had the opportunity to be able to do that. So, yeah, I have a big mouth um, and mm. I have big guests uh, and we talk about the big topics. That's, that's all right. We are here today with nationally syndicated radio personality, author, producer and speaker, the host of Talk of the Town and the podcast. Frankie Darcel has a big mouth. The one and only Frankie Darcel. Let me ask you a couple of questions about some current goings on. Let's 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 sprinkle a little flavor on this conversation just so people know what they're getting. Uh, do I do I do I need to get I had coffee. Do I need to get my teacup? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you why don't you get a little tea ready? OK. <laughs> wonder, all right. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. <laughs> all right. Let's do it. Right. All right. So um, some recent events uh, have gotten black people, black Twitter 
uh, talking, black media talking. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on, you know, when they happened or your initial reaction or maybe how you feel right now. Um, but first, let's start with your thoughts on Ebony K. Williams's comment on yeah. she, she, her saying that she would date a bus driver if he owned the bus. There was a lot of people that had a lot to say about that. What was your take? Or your experience? Well, you know, when I saw it, yeah, well, with my my experience. On the radio, on the radio with listeners. Of her, you know, let me say this. And, and again, it goes back to everything that crosses your mind should necessarily cross your lips. Okay. Especially if you're on the air. <laughs> I know, and I've, I've worked with the Yonla Van Zandt. So when I, when I saw the words come out of her mouth, I said, ooh, she's going to let her have it. Ooh. I believe that Ebony K. Williams is entitled to her opinion. Of course. I believe that she's entitled to believe that if she, in the event, only wanted to date a bus driver, the, the person that owned the bus company, she's entitled to that. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, if you decide that that's a position you want to take, specifically if you're looking at dating an African-American man, the chances are you'll be, you know, um, surfing by yourself with your silk and satin sheets on a regular basis. People beat her up for that. I don't think it's fair. I think that people have a right to their opinion. Um, that's what she gave. Um, did it feel like it demeaned brothers who are driving buses? Let me tell you, I know men that make three and four and five hundred thousand uh, dollars a year and they're spending every dime of what they have on this facade of dressing up the outside and not working on the inside and brothers who make much less than that, who are doing extremely well. I just personally believe to measure a man by his money is the wrong way to go, particularly a black man in this culture that we currently live in. I think, again, she's entitled to her opinion, but I just applaud the brother that's driving the bus, that's mm -hmm. driving the delivery truck, that's whatever it is that he's doing. If he's, if he's getting up every day and he's going to a job and he is doing the best he can with what he's working with and taking care of his responsibilities. I have a daughter who's 27 years old. I said to her, measure a man on his character, measure a man on his intellect. And if you as a woman and the two of you get together and you work collectively on being a partnership, you can accomplish whatever you want. No matter where you are right now, you can build together. So I don't I don't measure men based on their title. Sure. Um, and that works for her. Doesn't necessarily work for me, and it probably wouldn't work for a lot of people. I believe with that, with that opinion. Sure, sure. Did you find that like your listeners uh, agreed with you? With you? Uh, with oh, they beat her up. They beat her down. They, yeah. they beat her down. Yeah, you know? yeah. I saw that. <laughs> they, they I, I, I saw and, that and online. They, they, they beat, they beat her down. And and part of it too, when we think about this kind of forum, particularly on the radio as well. I mean, there are one point five million people in the city of Philadelphia. Um, and even, you know, the social media conversation that I had about it, you know, a lot of people especially respond when they're angry or when there's emotion. So, of course, I had more people uh, who called with the opinion that she was out of line and out of order yeah, because they were sense. emotional about that topic. You know, and then there are people who are afraid to take the, you know, social media has really opened the gate for people not to be honest. And it's giving keyboard cowards the opportunity to say some things that they would not say if they were in the face of an individual. So people have kind of stepped back a little bit, but, but there were people who agreed with um, what she said, but that voice was, was very muted. Sure. Sure. Keyboard cowards. I like that. All right, let's get another one. going. <laughs> yeah. Um, so another recent uh, conversation that we've been having 
as a community has to do with uh, Kiki Palmer's uh, boyfriend's <laughs> Twitter comment after she was serenaded by Usher. He put a post saying, it's the outfit, though. You a mom. Um, what was what was your experience with that one? <laughs> well, I, I would say this. Um, and, and I don't cover a lot. I cover the pop culture. I don't do a lot of the gossip stuff. So I came from a different perspective. I wanted to preface what I was going to say by that. Yeah. And, and I look for the part of the conversation that people aren't talking about. Mm -hmm. It is clear that number one, um, I hope that Kiki would not allow her followers to determine the future of her relationship and the father of her child. That, yeah, that's, that's, that's sensible. Yeah. Right. Um, I think he was absolutely out of order and most people and, and know that I'm on grown folks radio. I don't do mm -hmm. hip hop. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. on grown folks radio. Mm -hmm. So people agreed that he was out of order mm -hmm. for even publicly making the statement that he did. Sure. Does that mean that he wasn't entitled to the statement? My folks found that the fact that he made the statement on the, you know, publicly was where there was an error. That's the problem. Right. Um, the problem was that he made that. That's it. And 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 there are people who said there were men who called and said, "I wouldn't want my woman and the mother of my child out there like that either." Mm -hmm. Right. The question is whether or not he should have said it publicly, and the rest was history. Here's what I found uh, to be interesting, Remus, is that she didn't defend him. So there was there was a crack in the relationship somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um. That she didn't defend her man the father of her child, right? Yeah. And I don't know, because, you know, I've interviewed Kiki on two separate occasions. I think she is an absolutely delightful, just wonderful, brilliant young lady. Um, there were men that agreed with him, and there were women that agreed with the, the boyfriend, but that he shouldn't have done it publicly. And mm -hmm. then they let it play out publicly. And from what I understand, the relationship, I, I don't know, has it ended? The, they, they broke up or something. I I know that they had there was some I back and forth. Up. I didn't follow it yeah. too closely. It's hard enough for me to keep up with my relationship, so I don't know what folks <laughs> over there are doing. So, you know what I'm saying? Um, but but I think from a standard, um, she has after after childbirth. You know, she has you know, her her persona has grown even more, mm -hmm. and I just hope whatever it is that Kiki does, she does it in the best interest of her relationship, her own personal health and well-being and the fact that now she has a child with the very man that people are attacking is this what you want your relationship to be so that's kind of the perspective i came from on my show we'll take it um okay i want to ask another one um this one is a little bit more serious uh mm -hmm. what were your or what are your thoughts about the supreme court rolling back affirmative action so this conversation, you know, and you look at the University of Michigan case as well, um, and to start, everybody recognizes that someone that benefited even like Justice Thomas, um, with all of his question, uh, questionable, um, rulings as a justice, um, where he benefited, uh, himself, um, from affirmative action would then turn uh, and do the complete opposite, uh, as a sitting justice. I think what is even, um, more, um, 
disappointing in this particular uh, court is that number one, the justice, you know, it's supposed to be blind and here it's not, it's political. So mm-hmm. the conversation about whether or not there should be a vote to extend the court to add another seat, um, or, or whether or not the court is acting politically, um, more than it is acting relative to the law. Mm-hmm. That's the, the travesty that, Amer- that the American people, no matter what side of the, 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 the aisle you're on politically should be concerned about. So to roll back affirmative action, the question becomes, you know, whether or not it's not only going to affect, you know, African-Americans, but people of color in particular. I will tell you, I'm an HBCU grad. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've spoken to a number of HBCU presidents as a result of this. They believe particularly for black students where since George Floyd, um, the application process for most HBCUs has tripled. This will continue to um, address that issue as more African-American great students who want to come to HBCUs. But I think that the court is in trouble. I believe that it has become too political, pick a side, Democrat or Republican. It is not. It is the highest court of the land. There is no court higher than the Supreme Court of the United States. And right now there are two justices who have impropriety on their own records. Mm -hmm. That's problematic. And what's, what's, what's disappointing in that is whether or not the conversation is to whether or not the court should have term limits. These people are there. They have no no rules. They have what they consider to be ethical standards, but there's no rule. How dare the very court that could judge you, me, and everybody else that has the final say and how we live as Americans have no rules and how they are supposed to um, respond and act uh, professionally. And two justices right now have allowed companies that and relationships, personal relationships of individuals that they have had um, uh, personal relationships with, have made decisions on companies that have become before them uh, as a court. Uh, it is a clear conflict of interest, and that's problematic. And the Congress and both the Senate need to make some real staunch decisions right now because we're just in a different place as to whether or not this is the way the court should react. So, in terms of affirmative action. Uh, I believe that good students are still going to get accepted where they needed to go. And here's the other thing I found interesting. African-American presidents um, spoke out more on that issue than presidents from PWIs. You didn't hear the presidents of, I should say this, I didn't hear the presidents of Harvard and Michigan and Penn, Penn State and UPenn talking about how you, their universities publicly are going to deal with this. I saw a lot of HBCU presidents out there, and I interviewed a couple of them on this issue. Why are not um, uh, a PWI presidents of PWIs having this conversation uh, publicly about how their their institutions uh, are going to deal uh, with the Supreme Court's um, decision in terms of admissions? So. You know, just a really interesting uh, time right now, I think, for the court. And I believe that, you know, our leaders in Washington need to step up and put some guidelines in place. And, you know, how that happens, I have no idea. Well, um, a brilliant take and a brilliant mind. Um, And I uh, very insightful. (laughs) I've obviously had to talk about this quite a bit. And. Mm You know, um, I feel like we should have talked first, so I'll take it. Yeah. Um, now yeah. I know yeah. I know our time is short. Um, 
I do want to ask you about something that we're excited about, and I know you're excited about. So before you go, talk to us about conversations for sisters only. Yes, I've got to. I've got to get you to Philadelphia so you can see this show in November. Um, anytime. Um, I, I have produced. Oh, do you love Philly? We, oh, we yeah. have to bring you. Put put November seventeenth and eighteenth on your calendar. Done. So I was a part of the Ira Aldrich players. Uh, in college, and I had to step away uh, because I was a scholarship athlete. So probably 20 years into my career, um, I started to really dabble back into, I've always liked, you know, a great stage play. I love Broadway. I, I, I love, you know, museums. I love to read. That's why I authored two books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then decided, you know, I'm going to put my, you know, creative, um, on the stage. So I produced five titles um, and the expense of uh, getting the license for these productions um, became very expensive. And my girlfriend, who's been working with me since 2005, since we started, she said, Frankie, you like to write. Why don't you write your own stage play? So on a trip to South Africa, which was a wonderful trip, it was almost like a 13 hour uh, flight there and back. And I started to write and I wrote conversations for sisters only, not just on the plane. It took me a year and a half to finish. Um, but I wrote about what I love. I love being a black woman. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be anything other than a black woman. I love, I love the way I look. I love the way I sound. I love yeah. the way I smell. I love my daughter. I love my girlfriends. I just did just being a black woman is just so amazing. We can be so complex, but we are one of the most beautiful, incredible creatures on the planet. And I wrote about what we talk about um, uh, every day, um, the good, the bad, uh, and the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Everyone will see someone that they know and their se- and their themselves on that stage. It is real talk about what we deal with and the conversations that we have in private. And the men, including my brothers and you know folk who have come to see the show, say, "I always thought that," and 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 I always, you know, it was good to kind of take a peek into what women are actually thinking and feeling um, inside some of the most painful moments. There's a part in the play as well where we address uh, the issue of Black women uh, and George Floyd and, and what it's like to lose a child to gun violence. Two of the actors in the show, both of them have lost uh, um, uh, a, a relative or a child to gun violence. And we talk about that on stage. It is amazing. It is an amazing piece of work. I'm so proud of it. Um, and I can't thank some people yet until I sign the dotted line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just two conversations away um, from putting the show on the road. We're, we're on stage November 17th and 18th in Philadelphia. And then in 2024, there are a number of cities that we are looking at um, doing the show in. And I'm excited about in 2024. So as soon as I put that, that name on the uh, dotted line, I can get a check. Hey. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm looking forward to it. So I'm, I'm proud of the work. Um, I have, have about 33 people that work with me. Um, the majority of my team who helped me execute it is five people. One is a man, the majority of women. It's a cast of nine. And I have to say in the show, black men are superheroes. So, mm. you know, this is a, a, a show that, that black men will be proud to see. Uh, themselves on stage with the dialogue that we have as it relates to black women. I'm really gonna, I'm really gonna look at bringing you in. 
I'm going to look because I would I'm... love to get, I think, I think, and I would love to get your perspective on it. So yeah, we're yeah. going to exchange information and I'd love to get your perspective on it. So, so yeah. far I've gotten five out of five stars from the newspapers here in, in the city. This will be my 66th and 67th show. It will be my eighth presentation of Conversations for Sisters Only. So I'm excited. Well, I, I'm looking forward to it too. And I can hear the passion in your voice. And I, uh -huh. like I said, I, we're looking forward to it, uh, around here. And I know that our listeners are going to be looking forward to it as Thank well. You. Um, Thank if, you. if, if it comes together, obviously I will provide a full recap for our listeners. Uh, when the time comes for you to actually, you know, roll it out once you got that, that money situated, I know that's <laughs> real important. Yes. Come back yes, and, and tell us more about it. We'd love to talk to yeah. you more about it. Um, before sure. we let you go though, um, it, 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 let's let's drop your social media websites um any ways that people can yeah. tap into the play anything like that yeah people didn't think i was important so nobody went out there and grabbed my name or anything like that so everything is frankie darcel so it's <laughs> frankie com. it's frankie darcel on ig and i think somebody tried to do a page um so i was like oh i must be becoming important somebody did a fake page um, but it's Frankie Darcel, F-R-A-N-K-I-E-D-A-R-C-E-L-L -L, on IG, Facebook, um, and Twitter. Um, so you can find me everywhere, uh, under, under my name. Yeah. Okay. All so, right. Well, then yeah. there it is. Well, listen, um, I'm looking forward to our continued conversation. Uh, but for now, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on for your, brilliant career thus far huh. um, and your future brilliant career and all the things huh. that you're doing, not only to um, live this life to the fullest, but to, to share um, your successes and opportunities that you come across with your community. The ripple effect is people like me are inspired by you. Oh, wow. um, you're thank just you. a joy. And I can't thank you enough. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, today's guest is the nationally syndicated radio personality, author, producer, and speaker, the host of Talk of the Town and the podcast, wow. Frankie Darcel Has a Big Mouth, the one and only Frankie Darcel. Uh, listen, I love you to life. Thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity. I appreciate that. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I'm your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. 
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 